Welcome to College Prep Confidential, empowering your student with the elite tools they need to get accepted to their dream university. Discover test-taking blueprints from Ivy League professionals, financial aid secrets to get more money for school, and mindset tips for a better college future. Now, please welcome your host, Don Sevcik. Back in the saddle for episode 24 of the College Prep Confidential Podcast. And this week, we're talking about turning you, the college student, into a stock ticker. And the stock ticker symbol is Y-O-U. In an episode titled, Turning Students into Stocks. 44.7 million Americans have student loan debt, according to a 2018 report by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The total amount of student loan debt is $1.47 trillion as of the end of 2018. That's trillion with a T. To put this number into perspective, it's more than the entire credit card debt of this country. It's also more than the entire auto loan debt of this country. In fact, the only debt level student loans don't surpass is mortgage debt. And some of these loans are crushing students with new delinquent balances, also known as seriously delinquent, which means 90 plus days without a single payment. The amount in jeopardy of these loans that are 90 plus days late 31 billion dollars. More than 2 million student loan borrowers have student loan debt greater than $100,000, with 415,000 of that total holding student loan debt greater than $200,000. The situation is volatile. Some people are getting desperate. Congress is screaming for reforms, and the talking heads won't stop throwing gas on the fire. So what's the alternative? Is there a solution? Is there any hope? A few years ago, a new alternative arrived on the scene. I nicknamed this option, treating students as stocks. Now I compare this to taking your initials and making them a stock symbol, where investors will back your tuition in exchange for a promise to pay in the future. And it all started at Purdue University. Purdue University became the first university to roll out a new payback method called ISAs for short. What is an ISA? ISA is short for income share agreements, and they give you another option to help you pay for college. With an ISA, students get money from investors and they agree to pay a percentage of their future income to those investors over a set period of time. After a certain period of time, we'll say 20 years as an example, the student walks away from the obligation and they don't owe any more money. A man named Casey Jennings, who's a co-founder of 13th Avenue Funding, which is a California-based not-for-profit who's advising Purdue University, comments, quote, that's not a bad piece of paper to own. I own GE, Ford, Apple, and yes, I have this weird piece of paper 
that students at Purdue, end quote. Personally, my college prep friends, I look at this like an academic draft. Instead of athletes, we're essentially betting on and backing students. We are treating students as stocks. Now here's a few schools I've read about in the press that have the income share agreement options. Purdue has a program called Back a Boiler. Lackawanna College. Clarkson University, which has limited availability. Messiah College. University of Utah. Norwich University. And Colorado Mountain College. Now, this list will change over time, but at the time of this recording, those are the universities who have stood out and taken advantage of this program. Now, the New York Times had an article about the Lambda School. It's the first of its kind to offer students a paid education with an income share agreement upon graduation. The agreement states the following. Students must earn a minimum of $50,000 per year in order to begin collecting 17% of their income. The total tuition gets capped at a maximum of $30,000, meaning no one would ever pay more than $30,000. What's more, if graduates do not make at least $50,000 per year after college and don't find employment, they do not have to pay back the amount owed. You'll see this with boot camps and training programs which don't qualify for federal aid. And for schools like these, they better have a solid program for training students to help them get jobs, or they're going to be out a chunk of cash after just a few graduating classes. Now that you know what income share agreements are and some of the universities that offer them, let's talk about the pros and the cons of these ISAs. We'll start with the pros. If students earn low salaries, they will pay little to nothing extra, plus they'll get an education. Unlike loans, the student benefits since the term period will eventually end. And it's not like a standard loan where it continues to accrue and accrue and accrue until you pay off the principal. Essentially, there's no interest on the loan. Now, I'm wondering if the companies who finance these loans help the students get jobs to ensure they get their payments back. It's almost like a you scratch my back, I scratch yours type agreement. And what I mean by that is if these colleges don't have a good reputation to help their students get jobs and they're offering income share agreements, they are going to be hurting. So it's in their best interest to have a program which attracts employers and help their students get jobs so they can take a piece of the income and get paid back on these loans that they're giving away. Some of these ISAs supplement your student loans, and you don't have to start paying on them until you get a job and start earning money. So you get a delay and the pressure to pay them right away, unlike student loans where they're due as soon as you graduate. Now, we talked about this a bit, but it's worth hammering home again. It's in the school's best interest to help you build a college curriculum and get you exposure to get a job. Think about it. What would happen if thousands of students had income share agreements and then they didn't get a job, or they got a job that didn't pay a lot, 
the college or university would be out millions of dollars. Here's another pro. It removes risks for students. Instead of being on the hook for a loan, even if college doesn't work out for you, the student only pays if they get a job with a minimum salary agreement after attending the college program. Oh, and here's another nice benefit. If a student quits or gets fired after college, the income share agreement pauses and only resumes when they start working again. Let's talk about a few more pros. Most income share agreements have a minimum income requirement. So if you're only working minimum wage or low paying jobs, you may not be required to pay the loan back or pay a percentage of your income. And most income share agreements are capped at a certain payback. So unlike a loan, which continues to grow interest if you don't pay or pay slowly, income share agreements have a solid endpoint. You don't have to have a debate on whether to pay the minimum payment or fast pay. It's already predetermined. One less decision, one less thing for you to worry about each month. You get a job, you pay a percentage of your salary, it goes for a certain amount of years, and you are done. Your obligation ends. Now that we've covered the pros, let's talk about some of the cons. Sheriff Almaki, a member of Purdue's student government, struggles with the income share agreement concept. And he says, quote, The concern I had then and the concern I have now is that we are making higher education into more and more of a business model, end quote. There's another con. This is on gross income, not net. So you are paying up front before expenses are taken into account, before rent, before food, before all of that. And you can end up paying far more than you borrowed, especially if you continue to get raises. I'm reading about people paying up to 2 or 2.5 times their original loan via salary paybacks because they made good money and they kept getting raises and bonuses. And here's something else to chew on. Will students, if they have an income share agreement, not work as hard for raises and promotions if it means they have to give back more? Maybe there's a psychological lever in their head that says, well, why am I going to go for more raises and bonuses if I'm just going to have to give it back to the college for the ISA? Here's another one. If employment placement rates are low, it places a bigger burden on the college, which means in the future, the tuition could be even higher for future generations. And of course, the obvious, you've got to give up a chunk of your future earnings. And let's talk about a chart. Suppose you negotiate a 5% of your salary each year for your income share agreement. And suppose you start off out of college at $75,000 a year with an average 3% raise. I put together a chart, and I'll put this in the show notes, but after 20 years on $2.23 million of salary, where you start at 75k and you get a 3% raise each year, the total income share payout you're going to pay is $112,000. So it's it's not a little amount of money. It's a significant share of money taken year over year until you hit the the cap on the years. Now granted that's spread out, but it's still a lot of money to pay back. 
Now think about this. For the, for the example I just gave you, if the student invested this 5% in a 401k or low-risk investment versus taking out a student loan, how much more or less would they have had? And it all comes down to weighing the options, or what I like to call opportunity cost. There's other advantages for you, by the way, as the student. They now have a marketplace for income share agreements. And right now, there's one called Edley. So now the way this works is accredited investors can look at a pool of students and decide to invest or not based on their background. Again, this is starting to shape up more and more like an educational draft. Now on the Edley website, prospective investors can see information such as school's graduation rate, average salary when they, when they graduate college, and other variables provided by the institution. Schools can pool their ISAs by program, like STEM or humanities majors, or a cybersecurity program at a coding boot camp. When investors find a pool of ISAs they like, they can purchase Edley notes, which represent a fractional ownership in an income share agreement. But let's think about this for a moment. If we do the math, and we put a little logic behind this, and we find out the highest paying degrees out there do you think that these investors will only back STEM-type degrees, doctors, lawyers, etc.? And if so, what does that mean for the rest of the majors? Are they going to get income share agreements? Is the school going to take a huge loss on, say, art majors or people that may not get higher-paying jobs? This is something that needs to be thought about before taking an ISA with a university. Now, here's the takeaway. Income share agreements give you an alternative for college financing, and it may be worth setting up the chart I just talked about on an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Sheet. And what you do is you project your salary, your future raises, and your bonuses. And then you compare the percentage you'd pay under an income share agreement versus what you'd pay for a student loan at a certain interest rate. And then if you take the student loan route, how much money could you fast pay the loan or if you took the extra money and put it in an investment paying X percent, how much more or less would you be left over with? So what I recommend is compare the pros and the cons which we discussed and you make your decision from there. Income share agreements definitely give you something to think about and with college loans and financial aid, you want to get the best help available which is why I've reserved a special deal for you, the podcast listener. You see, I work with a financial aid company who specializes in college prep planning, financial aid, FAFSA, the whole deal. And if you'd like, I'd reserved a free strategy session with our certified college planning experts worth $250. But for you, it's free. Now, in this session, you'll discover college prep tips, tricks to help you plan for college. And if you like what you hear and decide to book a full service college prep package, you will have the financial aid piece done for you. And even if you don't continue on with our financial aid experts, you walk away with free advice, free tips, and free tricks to navigate the college prep planning process. To take advantage of this limited capacity deal, Call 
1-800-234-2933. Once again, that number is 1-800-234-2933. And what you do is you leave your contact information with my assistant. Mention the College Prep Strategy Session, and we will get you booked up for your free session. I want to thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. That's all for this episode of College Prep Confidential. To discover how to give your student a better future by increasing financial aid, improving test scores, and reducing stress, visit our website at cpcshow.com. That's cpcshow.com.